tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about decision making. 
I'll explain how the damage that alcohol abuse causes to the brain relates to damage caused by traumatic brain injury. You'll learn how the brain makes decisions, how alcohol abuse changes our decision making, and what you can do to make better decisions and protect your sobriety. So let's dig in. Good decision making is the ability to look at all the options, consider both the short and long term consequences, and select the best option. People who struggle with addiction consistently show poor performance in decision making tasks, and studies suggest that these differences can make it much harder for people to stay sober. So you might be wondering. Do we suck at making decisions and that's why we get addicted? Or do we get addicted and then we suck at making decisions because we're addicted? So it seems to be a combination, but obviously it could be different for everyone. People who are more sensitive to immediate reward and struggle with being impulsive are more vulnerable to developing a problem, but after someone has a problem, the damage that alcohol and drugs do to the brain have been shown to cause or worsen deficits in cognitive processes that contribute to decision making. So maybe you started off valuing instant gratification or maybe not, but then by abusing alcohol, it damaged your brain in a way that made you value instant gratification even more. It's not just people who are actively struggling with alcohol either. Impaired decision making has been found in long term sober people and in recently detoxed alcohol dependent patients too. So, this is an ongoing problem, and trouble making decisions and controlling your impulses obviously puts you at a much higher risk for going back to drinking. Decision making is typically assessed by the Iowa Gambling Task, which was initially created to assess decision making problems in patients with traumatic brain injury who had ventromedial prefrontal cortex damage. And this is a part of the brain that we discussed back in episode 46 when we talked about neuroplasticity. This area of the brain is involved in processing risk, fear, emotion, and decision making. So in the Iowa gambling task, the participants choose one out of four card decks named A, B, C, or D. They get to choose 100 cards total, one card at a time, and each time they pick a card, they get feedback about whether they are winning or losing money. So decks A and B always give $100, but result in a penalty of $250. Decks C and D always give $50 and result in a penalty of $50. So there's a 50% chance of having to pay a penalty each time you pick a card. So if you keep choosing decks A and B to get that $100, you're at a 50% risk of losing $250. But if you choose decks C or D, you get $50 with a 50% risk of losing $50. So decks C and D are the better choice because the penalty is much, much less than decks A and B. So patients with ventromedial prefrontal cortex damage make choices that give them an immediate reward, but also resulted in severe delayed punishment. So in the Iowa gambling task, that would be like having the penalty of $250. So these patients also had 
emotional deterioration, which according to the American Psychological Association, is an emotional state characterized by carelessness toward oneself, indifference to one's surroundings, including other people, and inappropriate emotional reactions. Sounds a lot like a problem drinker to me. So this observation that these patients were choosing instant gratification despite severe consequences and had emotional issues led to the somatic marker hypothesis, which says that emotion plays a critical role in guiding our decision making. So patients with ventromedial prefrontal cortex damage persistently pick cards with a negative expected value despite losing more and more money. So they're consistently choosing from decks A and B because that $100 gain is so exciting, even though they keep being hit with that $250 penalty. So this is just like our drinking. So we continue to drink despite it going the exact same miserable way that it always has, but aren't able to be fully aware of what's going on. And this lack of awareness and inability to consider the consequences to make a decision is something that might be really confusing if you're trying to stop drinking. You might drink and then wake up the next day like, why do I always do this? I don't understand. I don't want to do this, but I keep drinking. So when we're confronted with a decision, two networks in the brain become activated. The impulsive system, which includes the amygdala and relies on unconditioned and conditioned stimuli that are present in our immediate environment. So remember, conditioned stimuli is something that we've learned, like how drinking helps or certain people or places make us want to drink. And something that's unconditioned is like something that's present from birth, like being afraid of heights because you don't want to fall off and die. The other network that becomes activated is the reflective system, which involves the ventromedial prefrontal cortex and recalls previous emotional events to help us evaluate what's going on right now so that we can make a good decision based on our past experiences. So this network creates a feeling about what's going on. And then it influences the parts of the brain that allow us to select and implement a behavior. So your emotions play a huge role in guiding any decision that you make. And remember, I said the reflective system, one of the main components of it is the ventromedial prefrontal cortex. So if you abuse alcohol and have damage to this area of the brain, then this severely impacts your ability to look at previous events and make a decision. So in the Iowa gambling task, people who struggle with alcohol select high-risk cards compared to healthy controls, so the decks that had the high penalty. They favor instant gratification and ignore the long-term consequences of their actions. So a few studies have found that people who abuse alcohol showed the same poor decision-making performance during the Iowa gambling task as patients who have traumatic brain injury. So it's thought that drinkers might suffer from the same lack of awareness that these patients with brain damage have, which is why both groups choose instant gratification choices because we lack awareness of the consequences and our repetitive, consistent suffering. So even though they continue to be hit with the $250 penalty and know that the other choices 
could result in only a $50 penalty, they continue to choose the high-risk cards because that $100 versus the $50 is just so much more attractive. And they are only thinking, which is better, $100 or $50? They're not thinking about the penalties. So just like us, we think about the immediate moment. I want to feel better right now. I'm anxious. I want this to go away. I had a bad day. I want my stress to go away. I'm uncomfortable in this social setting. I want to feel better right now. We only think about that, not like two hours later how we're going to feel or the next day. There are a few stages of the decision-making process, preference formation, choice implementation, and feedback processing. When we have a choice, we develop a preference for one option over another by determining the subjective value of each option. This means how much we value the reward. So remember that subjective is based on your opinion, feelings, and experiences, and objective is just based on facts. Many studies have shown that the subjective value of a reward is influenced by the ventral striatum, the medial prefrontal cortex, the cingulate, and the orbitofrontal cortex, which are all parts of the brain that we have discussed on this podcast before. And all of these areas are impacted by alcohol abuse and deficits with this brain network are linked to the altered subjective value of drinking or using that people who struggle with addiction have compared to social drinkers. So we value drinking much, much more than social drinkers do. Studies on people with addiction have found that we are satisfied to make a decision with less information compared to healthy controls, which suggests that people with substance use disorders are more comfortable tolerating uncertainty and risk while we formulate our preferences for a decision. Other studies have looked at decision making under risk, and these studies have consistently found that people with substance use disorders prefer risky decisions over safe ones. And if few studies have found that risk-taking behavior is impacted by the severity of a person's addiction. So the worse your addiction is, the more that you prefer risk-taking behaviors. So what all of this means to me is that the more we abuse drugs and alcohol, the more that our brain is damaged to prefer instant gratification, even if there is a high risk involved. And because we are comfortable tolerating uncertainty and don't need a lot of information to make a decision, we tend not to think things through. So the next stage of decision making is choice implementation. And this is where we select our action. So choosing an action requires motivation, but our motivational system gets messed up when we abuse drugs and alcohol. We become really sensitive to drug and alcohol cues and apathetic towards natural rewards. So action selection also requires self-regulation, which is the ability to restrain and override temptation something that we really don't have while we're drinking. Studies show that the way a person with addiction values and chooses between drug and non-drug rewards is consistently different from people who do not struggle with addiction. 
We're not choosing to continue drinking or using because we're having fun or only care about ourselves. It's normal to value a reward that you can get right now versus the same reward later. But in addiction, there's an overemphasis on instant gratification, like getting drunk or high, instead of long-term rewards like career, good relationships with your spouse or kids, being healthy, or just being overall happy. A large number of studies have shown that people with substance use disorder have deficits in cognitive inhibition, meaning that we tend to make decisions without thinking of the consequences. A couple interesting studies looked at strategy application tasks, which require the participants to determine the best strategy to reach a goal. Everybody has the same goal, but they have to figure out on their own what the best strategy is to achieve that goal. So what studies have found is that people who have substance use disorder are able to identify the best strategy to reach the goal, but then they're unable to actually implement the behaviors in the strategy. This means that we know what we're supposed to do, like not drink, but our brains are unable to translate this knowledge into the appropriate actions. If you think back to your drinking, maybe you did have thoughts of I should stop or I have to drive or I need to get up early for work but then you just keep drinking anyway. So we have the right thoughts, but we struggle to translate these thoughts into actions. And the last stage of the decision-making process is feedback processing. This is where we use our previous experiences to help guide our decision. It's thought that in addiction, there is a malfunction in the way that the brain assigns value to certain things and that people who struggle with addiction have disordered feedback processing, meaning that our previous experiences drinking do not guide our decision to drink or not drink in an appropriate way. So struggling with making good decisions is a really normal experience for people who abuse alcohol, and this can continue into sobriety and put your sobriety at risk. I think recognizing this is a great first step and that we're not doing it on purpose. I think it's so interesting that studies have found that the damage alcohol causes to the brain mimics patients who have traumatic brain injuries. Something really important to work on is your self-awareness, and you can start doing this just by recognizing how you're feeling and why. So go back and look at my emotional sobriety episode and YouTube video if you need a reminder on that. I also recommend working with a therapist if you're struggling with impulsive decision making. So this is a learning process. And by evaluating your recent experiences, you can learn from them to help guide your decisions in the future. But overall, just know that we are obsessed with instant gratification as drinkers, and that's not how real life actually works. You can't instantly change your mood, instantly have fun, or instantly stop being stressed. Real life requires work, and once we can recognize this and be willing to put in the work, we can get the outcomes that we're looking for. But when we keep trying to use things that give us instant gratification, we're going to stay stuck in this misery loop. So I hope this was helpful and gave you a lot of interesting things to think about. And as always, if you enjoy this episode, I would really appreciate if you would share it and get this information out there for people who need to know these things for their recovery. And I will talk to you next week. 
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.